Hey everyone, welcome to She Brigade the Podcast. I'm your host, Bilun Klimsimech. On each episode, we bring you amazing trailblazing women to come share with you their life and career journeys, from entrepreneurs to nine to fivers and everyone in between. Our guests go through all of the highs and all the lows of this life journey that have brought them to being who they are today. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of She Brigade. On today's show, we have Sivem Fenyana. I'm so excited to have Sivem on the show because um, a few weeks ago, we had um, someone who navigates the waters. And today we have someone who navigates the skies. Oh my gosh. Siva is a commercial (laughs) pilot and she's been featured in Elle magazine. She's a judge in the Women in Transport Awards in 2019 and in 2020 and a speaker as well. Welcome to the show, Siva. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you on the show. Um, <laughs> we had a lot of trouble getting this, recorded, this recording know, started. I'm so. <laughs> so happy that we finally got going. Listen, I'm very excited. Um, okay, so welcome to the show, like I said. Um, mm-hmm. Let's dive right into it. So we would like to start all the way from the beginning. So I'm going to ask you to take us all the way back, all the way back to younger you growing up um, going to school what, what was it like being you way back then ah chief as you're taking me all the way back all the way back <laughs> i was born in the eastern cape and i spent my formative years there so i was born there raised there um by family members and then when i was seven i moved to johannesburg with my mother um where i started my schooling career so my primary school I started in Johannesburg and my schooling career was between Johannesburg and Maritzburg and um, I completed my <clears throat> excuse me high school in Pretoria after that I left and went to Cape Town because mm. I wanted the whole oh, I'm leaving home after matric feeling yeah <laughs> and I went to study in Cape Town where I started my pilot training yeah so that's pretty much my upbringing I lost my father um, at a young age. He passed away in a car accident. Mm. So my mom raised me as a single mom, obviously with the help of family members, aunts, grandmothers, um, and the like. So that was pretty much my upbringing. I was an only child for about 10 years, for 10 years actually. And then my younger sister was born. And yeah, so it's just me, my mom, and my younger sister, who's 10 years younger than me. Okay, and, and how do you think um, growing up in that environment um, influenced the woman that you are today? Yeah, so I grew up, um, my mother's homes were here in Gauteng, but I spent a lot of time um, in rural Eastern Cape, so in the village uh, with my great-grandmother, who played a big role in my life. So I I had the privilege of, you know, growing up in the city and also having the experience of growing up in rural Eastern Cape. And I think that um, has really like afforded me the opportunity to experience and have a broad sort of, you know, perspective and insight on, you know, the injustices in our Mm. country. Mm. So I think that's played a big role in the way um, I live my life. And even in the way I've navigated my career, and um, in me sharing my career in the way that I do. Um, mm. I think I feel a sense of responsibility 
to make it accessible and enticing, not just to my current circle in the life that I'm living now, but also to every little black girl um, in all the corners of our country. Mm. Yeah. So I think definitely having the experience of both has, um, you know, changed or I think just shaped my perspective of success um, as one that's not individual, but just, you know, a desire to be successful in order to pay it forward to the communities that have raised me and the communities that don't have the access, you know, and hopefully it'll affect, excuse me, the generation, another family, and ultimately our, our, our black society. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So as you were growing up in, in, in like primary school or high school, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, Shaq, so this has changed so <laughs> much. Um, oh my gosh, I'm like really thinking back. The, I wanted to be a hairdresser. I remember oh. when I was in grade one, I wanted to be a hairdresser. Um, actually, just thinking about it, they play such a big role in our lives that we actually don't, you know, speak about often enough. That's true. That I wanted to be a hairdresser and then at some point I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and then the older I got, um, yeah, I, I think it stayed at doctor. And then I was just really good at maths and science. So it was just the obvious thing. And um, then I think I was in primary school. I think it was like in grade seven. My mom brought back tons of like papers that she'd printed out at work about being an actuary. So that was like planted in my head. And I was just like, oh my gosh, yeah. And it was just, it was so like ill-informed. It was <laughs> not ill, but like very little information to it. But just because I was good at maths, she was like, this is your thing. You yeah. Know? And not yeah. only good, I really enjoyed maths. I still do. And when I was 13, I went to an air show for the first time in Pretoria, where I grew up with a friend of mine. And we saw the most amazing things, all these demonstrations, these aircraft. We got to go into cockpits, meet actual pilots. Mm. And I think that was my first introduction to like flight besides um, flying as a passenger. And meeting, and what's beautiful about the South African Air Force or the Army, the Defense Force in general, is that there are a lot of black people flying there, you know, and mm. meeting those pilots just made it feel like, oh my gosh, I could totally do this. That could because be me. Walking around and seeing the aircraft flying and even just riding in an airplane, you just like, there's always the curiosity of how is this happening and who is doing this, you know, who's keeping this big thing in the sky. So having met those um, Air Force pilots, I was just like, oh my gosh, I can totally do this. Mm. And that's where the curiosity began. And yeah, I think it just never stopped. I continued to um, research, watch a ton of aircraft videos and really just get into it. And actually in my grade 11 year, I still applied to varsities to study um, accounting, actual science um applied for all of that and only in my matric year i think it was in third term my mom was like it's fine you can go do this pilot thing so you were like still talking about it it. (laughs) yeah 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 i'd already you know 
cut my losses and I oh. thought, you know, she would go to varsity and that's it. And yeah, she surprised me in, um, in third term in grade 12. Also because it's so expensive. It's so expensive to get started with your training. Mm. Um, like it's, ex- it's exceptionally expensive. And um, there weren't any bursaries out at the time. And yeah, I think also the lack of information, you know, for us, for our parents, um, it's not like applying to a university, getting in, applying to government funding or, you know, any one of the big firms or whatnot, but it's, it's, the information is quite limited. And even when you do have the information, um, the resources to assist you are very, very little, if any. Mm. So what, yeah. what is that process like? Maybe share with us what the process is actually like um, for someone who wants to become a pilot. Yeah. So you apply to flight schools and flight schools really differ with their entrance requirements. Um, some required you to have maths and science, some not. Um, but I think it's so important because everything you do is based on maths and science. And for sure, you can go in without it, but I think it, it just makes it that much harder. Um, so for me, I applied to a flight school in Cape Town. Um, you pay a deposit and then you go to the flight school and then you write an entry exam. So it's like a, it's a maths, English, that type of exam, like an aptitude sort of test. Mm. So you write a maths, English and science exam. And then once you've passed that, you can start with your training. I know not all flight schools actually write the exam. Um, but I've learned in my time in the industry and even in training is that really, really in this industry, the money, the money is what matters. So if you can afford to get into a flight school, pay for the training, they're more than happy to train you, most flight schools. Mm. Um, so I think the, the one thing that keeps people out is really just the affordability um yeah so with that said though to for any funding any bursaries um and all scholarships or whatnot um maths and science is a requirement you won't get any funding without maths and science and i think the flight schools have just not made it a requirement because they don't want to limit the amount of people who come and give them their money you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah um, but yeah, so you applied, uh, wrote the exam, got into the flight school, and then you have to do a medical exam. So there's an aviation medical exam that you do with the aviation uh, medical examiner. And um, it, it entails a ton of things. So a bit of cycling, jogging, checking your lungs, um, checking your eyes, uh, your reflexes, all that. Um, and then once you've passed the medical exam, you can start flying. Then you start your training. Your training um, has two parts to it. So there's the practical part where you actually fly. There are flying exercises that you need to get through with your instructor. Um, and then there's uh, the theoretical part, which is written exams that you write through the Civil Aviation Authority. So start your training. Um, after a couple of hours of flight training, uh, your instructor will let you know uh, whether you're ready to go solo, is what they call it, when you can go flying by yourself. Mm. So, 
once you've gone solo, which is a very exciting day. I think still the most exciting day in my career. So oh, wow. Yeah. Exciting, yeah. nerve-wracking all at once. Um, but yeah, then once you've gone solo, you start building solo hours, which are the hours that really matter. Um, and yeah, then you write those exams. I can't actually remember now. I think PPL. So PPL is a private pilot's license. Um, which is the first, well, the second license you get. So mm-hmm. once you've gotten your medical and once you go solo, you have your student pilot license, which means you can go fly by yourself. Okay. And then after 45 hours of flight, that's the minimum requirement. It, it sometimes goes over. Um, after 45 hours of flight, you, and having passed all, I think it's six exams, I can't remember, after passing all six exams and then also going through a flight examination where you go fly with um, an examiner and he tests that you can fly through different scenarios, emergencies, all that kind of stuff, you'll get your private pilot license. Now with your private pilot license, you can fly friends, you can fly yourself, but you can't legally fly uh, for remuneration. So you can't get paid to fly. Oh, yeah, so you have your private pilot license and then you start building hours for your commercial pilot license. Um, there's two hour, 200 hours required for your commercial pilot license. Sure. 100 hours of those are hours that you need to build flying by yourself. So you can fly with passengers, but without an instructor. So then you build those flying hours uh, while you're building those, you have, I'm not even sure how many exams it is now. I think it's about 10 exams that you Yo. need to write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've got 10 exams. There are ground schools for these exams um, that you can attend. And um, otherwise you can self-study. Um, a lot of people do, do their commercial license part-time because it's so expensive. Um, mm. They're working and funding it themselves. Also, because like I said, the funding in the country is very limited. I think at the moment, the only funding that's out is TITA, which is, what does TITA stand for? Transport Education Training Authority. So it's a government department. Um, It's in the transport um, department in the government. It's a government entity which funds um, young, previously disadvantaged South Africans to do their training. Mm-hmm. so they're the only ones out so if you don't get that you there's there's no other way you have to fund your own training mm. so a lot of people work while they're doing their hour building so that they can pay for it because i mean for your hour building you need to hire out an airplane you know? mm. so that's the cost of hiring that out paying for the fuel yeah. paying landing fees at airports and all of that so it's quite expensive to try to get those 100 hours. Um, once you've done that and you've passed all 10 CAA exams, um, then you can test for your commercial pilot license. So with your, all this time, you've been flying single-engine airplanes and you've been flying visually. So with your commercial pilot license, you get introduced to instrument flight which um, is flying um, solely, solely based on instruments. So you have no visual um, contact with the ground or the outside. What does that so mean? You get, so, you know, in a cockpit, yeah. 
there's the instruments that the panel that's like in front of the chairs. Yes. That the pilots look at. So if it's super foggy outside or oh. bad weather storming, you can't see anything. So you can't okay. see what's ahead of you. You can't see what's below you. So you have to rely on your instruments. So mm. The instruments will tell you how high you are, how fast you're going. Um, if you're descending or climbing, how fast you're doing that. Um, obviously with the GPS, how um, close you are to whatever waypoint, that kind of thing. Okay. Which, which isn't easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because you can, you can over control the aircraft if you, I mean, if, when, you, when you're starting to, um, to get into it, when you're learning to fly an instrument. And um, also in, in emergency situations, you know, having mm. contact with the ground gives you a bit of an advantage because you can kind of make out how much room you have you know mm. so having an emergency situation like an engine failure with no contact uh with the ground or any visual um you know it's mm. it makes it quite difficult um to survive it, something like that Yo. So, yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah so with so now we said you have your ppl you've done your hour building for your commercial license you've written your exams um you've done your instrument hours and now you also get introduced to multi-engine aircraft because you've been flying an aircraft with only one engine so now you'll get introduced to an aircraft with two engines so you need to learn how to fly that as well how to handle that in adverse situations as well and once you're ready for your test then your instructor will sign you off and say recommend you for the test then you get tested by a designated flight examiner which is appointed by the Civil Aviation Authority and they test you. So they do a ground test where they ask you a ton of legal questions um, and flight questions and technical questions on your aircraft. And then you go flying and they'll, they can, they have a sheet that they need to get through um, obviously for the exam, Mm. but they, you can expect anything. They can fail an engine after takeoff they can, you know, fill an engine while you're cruising. They can store the aircraft. <laughs> yeah. They can, you know, do whatever they want to put you Just through. throw in a couple curveballs here just to be like, yeah. let's see how you react. Let's okay. see if we can handle this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how long, yeah. that's a lot. So how long does this take you from when you, like, begin your, your, your journey to want to become a pilot up, up until you're qualified and you've written all your tests? How long did this take you? Mm. So it, I mean, it can take people, I've seen people that it takes them like two, three years. If you've got all the money, I mean, you can fly every single day mm-hmm. um, and get it done, you know? Um, but for me, I had such a topsy-turvy journey. It's been hectic financially, um, with my health as well. I was diagnosed with um, anemia as well as um, an autoimmune disease. Mm. Um, then I was grounded for about 13 months because of that. Yeah. So I couldn't fly. Um, and then there was a point where I was flying and everything was going well and then didn't have the money to fly anymore. Um, yeah. So it's been a lot of stop and start yeah. with me. Mm. Yeah. With my training. I actually so, was going to ask you because, I mean, the, the barriers to entry into this industry seem so high. Um, mm. I was going to ask you, how did you navigate that? Because, I mean, 
for the for the rest of us, I, I have my my BCom. <laughs> yeah. I went to school four years. I had a bursary. There's a lot yeah. of bursaries available, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I was actually that was gonna be my next question. How did you manage, especially financially, like you're saying, because it's yeah. it's so hard. Yeah, I think the financial exclusion is the biggest, but also just the to call it like social exclusion because in my classes like a ton of the people I went to um to school with their dads were pilots their uncles their grandfathers um their brothers they were exposed to the industry from a very young age Mm -hmm. you know so even just the 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 physical part of studying and retaining the information and actually understanding it was tough it was brand new concepts um, brand new things that I really had never been exposed to and also you know imposter syndrome and feeling like oh, should I really be here mm-hmm. um, also asking questions and having responses like chuckles and yeah. you know that that is something you should know you know but I've just never been exposed to aircraft so the exclusion is a lot socially and um, also financially, obviously, because with flight, flight schools, you can't just train. The way you'll go to varsity, you'll go to your classes. Mm. And I actually don't know how varsity works, but I think then <laughs> if you in <laughs> arrears, then you have to pay that, but you can still continue with your classes. But with flight school, the minute you don't have enough money for the next lesson, you can't do it. So mm. you stopped, you like dead in your tracks. So... If you were flying, so you, let's say you did lesson one, lesson two, say lesson three costs uh, 6,000 rand and you have 5,000 rand in your account. You can't go ahead with the lesson. Mm. You, you have to have enough money every single day. So that's, um, I think that's a big, that was a big thing. And yeah, sorry, I can't remember your question. What was your question? No, that's fine. I actually want to ask you now. So how how did you overcome? Like what? Just from a personal well, perspective, I, like motivating mm-hmm. yourself. How did you get get yourself mentally also? Because it it sounds like a lot of mental work to just navigate that that world. How did you get through all of that? I mean, it it till this day, I'm still working on that. Mm. Um, it when I started in Cape Town. It was literally going home every day and crying, 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 crying. My boyfriend can tell you, well, my fiance now. Hey, congrats. (laughs) (laughs) But my boyfriend could tell you, like, I was so unhappy. Like, Mm. it was tough. It was exceptionally tough, but I knew I wanted it, you know? And, like, requirements, even from instructors, that were different for you. And then for other guys, it wasn't the same. Being pushed, like completely being, like trying to push you out of the industry, trying to push you out of school, mm. you know? So it was, it was tough. It, I didn't have um, a method. I didn't have anything that I can say, this is how I overcame it. I just kept going. I just kept going back to school. I kept pushing myself. I kept studying. Um, I kept smiling through it all, which I think actually looking back and I think the older you get, I think the stronger you get, but I just, yeah, I just smiled through it all, went home, cried and just continued pushing. 
continued pushing. Um, and, and what would you yeah, say to I someone think, that's going through mm, that right now? You know, I, I don't know. I think speak up. I think that's one thing I've learned is that we, and I know we've heard this so many times, but by allowing people to treat us a certain way, by keeping quiet, we give those people permission to do it, you mm. know, continuously. Um, obviously, we don't invite it when, it when it starts, but I think by keeping quiet, we, we just allow them to continue. So, but it's so difficult because you feel like there's so much to lose, right? Mm-hmm. To speak up and be like, I don't appreciate you speaking to me like that. Please don't speak to me like that again. Or no, but this is the requirement I've met it. So why do I need to say redo this lesson or why do I need to, do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's just speaking up and standing up for yourself, you know? And mm. I think that's the main thing. And um, also just knowing yourself. Like, I think once we cultivate the knowledge of who we truly are it it makes it difficult for anyone else to break that down like you can hear them speaking you can see everything they do but because you know yourself and you know like how much they can't change who you are you know there's there's very little that they can do to harm you but I don't know I just think it's difficult even knowing those things Mm. when you're in that situation it, it still hurts it still sucks um, I think also having a good support system is so important because when you're studying or when you're training or when you're working, you feel alone. So I think what helps is when you're done with your, your work life or your school life, knowing that you have people who love you and support you that you can go home to, you know? Mm. So I think a good support system for sure. And also, sorry, just doing well. I think studying hard, working hard, doing really well makes it difficult for people. They're still going to have a time to say, but they they can't stop you, you know? Mm -hmm. That's true. I actually, like, I think yesterday or the day before that, I just posted a quote on the She Brigade page that that came from my interview with Kim, where she was saying, just do the work and show up in excellency because no one can argue with that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, so can you take us through um, what, what have been some of your highlights, the highlights of your journey, but also what have been the lowlights of your journey? Hmm, I think highlights is still, like I said, going solo. Mm. Um, and also, I think a big highlight was having my first successful airline interview that was like, oh my gosh, I can actually <laughs> do this. Yes. You know, getting the feedback, like, because I mean, like I was saying, like we continue to do the work and it's never really done. So even now, like going for interviews, starting your jobs, putting yourself out there, there's still that imposter that's like, mm, girl, you're going to get found out. You don't actually know anything about yeah. this stuff, you know? <laughs> so getting the feedback that, you know, yeah, you're actually great, you know? So that's been a highlight. And I think also a highlight has been creating a community and meeting other black pilots, black women pilots, or even other white pilots, actually, who are women. Mm. That has been 
that has been so great. It's been so fueling and encouraging and has brought in that joy that didn't exist for me whenever I was training or working. It's, it's made it a more, you know, bearable and enjoyable environment. So I've really enjoyed meeting other women pilots and also other black pilots. Mm. So that's been great. Um, low lights are things that continue to happen. Um, distasteful comments. Um, just being held to an extremely high standard, which I truly believe isn't just in my industry, but in all industries in general, women are just held to unreasonable standards. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think lowlights are the fear of getting things wrong because you know how much it'll cost you and how much it'll cost your name as a woman. Mm. And yeah. Um, yeah. And just the, like being questioned um, about your ability to, to commit to your job as much as a man is able to commit. I mean, I had an interview um, where they asked me, um, do you have, is there a boyfriend who's not going to hold you back? Isn't there a boyfriend that's going to hold you back? And I was just like, and I I had to say no, which was so crazy because I wanted the job so terribly. Yeah. How terrible is that? They wouldn't ask a man that. They wouldn't. They wouldn't because it, it doesn't matter if a man has a wife or a girlfriend. Yes. But for you, it would seem that if you have a boyfriend or a husband, that's going to hold you back from giving the company your all. So those, <laughs> sure. things, those things, yeah, that's still a major low light. A major, major low light. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just the everyday, um, it's, it's everyday life, you know. And the, the issue I have with it is that a day doesn't go by a day doesn't go by without a comment. Mm. So those, yeah, those are the things. Those are the things for me that have been low lights for me. And, but and way I, more, definitely yes. way more highlights, you know. Yes. Also just the, and I mean, social media definitely has its lows, but, you know, social media can be such a beautiful place. Like the reception that I've had on social media, people who keep pushing me, who DM me, to keep motivating me and who also encouraged me to keep putting myself out there Mm. because sharing my story also helps them, you know, Mm. which is something I've become so, so passionate about um, sharing my story and giving people the access that they don't have just by me being in that space, I think is an act of activism, you know, Mm. Whether I become the greatest pilot or, or not, I think by me existing in that space is really what is needed. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. definitely agree with that. Like just to see a, a, a black female pilot, that alone in itself for me, I mean, I, I, I've, I've genuinely never spoken to a pilot before, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I mean, I'm having this in-depth conversation. I learned so much from the, just from like everything that you said, I didn't know half the stuff you were saying about, <laughs> about yeah. becoming a pilot. So just, just you existing in the space has led to mm. just someone like me learning so much about the industry, about the world, mm. you know? So I yeah. definitely agree with the fact that um, you just being there, just being able to see another black woman like 
that is a pilot that is incredible for me to watch personally that's so awesome to hear mm. that's so awesome to hear sometimes i like get so like strange about it like with my instagram i'm like oh my gosh i'm always posting pilot pictures oh no, like, we need to see more of it. it but i have to remind myself why i'm doing it yes. you know so yeah social media has really been a highlight in helping me keep going and really enjoy enjoy the space that i'm in yeah i mean i want to go on i like keep please keep posting i want to go on like pinterest and and search for pilot and just see you <laughs> yeah you oh, know wow, that would be so awesome. we yeah. need we need more pictures even like just the picture of your face yeah. alone it means so much yeah just for just for like the next generation to just know that it exists you know exactly exactly yeah. so so um what has been the worst career advice you've ever received <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh to stay at a job that i genuinely did not enjoy because um oh yeah this is actually such a story so um i was working in ops they call it ops where you're working um at a desk yeah but in the aviation industry so say you plan flights or you plan the training for the pilots or all that kind of stuff so all the background work mm. so i was working in ops and then i had this opportunity to interview for an airline interviewed for that airline that went well um uh i didn't meet their requirements when i interviewed so i was actually so blessed to even get the interview mm-hmm. but which is also social media like there's so much i've learned through social media um i think someone once said that women only apply for a job when they meet like more than the requirements yes they apply for a job when they meet like 40% or mm-hmm. something so i applied got the interview went for it got they got back to me and they were like we're really impressed with you we the interview was successful and um your offers pending um you completing these exams right in a very short period of time so i was just like oh my gosh i can do this i'm going to do this so i went back to my work i was chatting to my boss about it and they were like that's impossible you'll never do it <sighs> right and actually the best thing we think for you as people who care about you is that you should stay working here and complete those exams sure but over time and then apply again when the next time you know they put this position out yeah. and i was like no way <laughs> that is insane they've already said i'm like in can i just get this done like yeah. why would i is me no is so that was the worst career advice i was just like It's so what crazy. did you do? I I, I resigned. <laughs> I resigned <laughs> and I wrote the exams and I got them done. Oh my you know? goodness. Imagine and if I just think, imagine cuz I think people like if they haven't been able to do something they just don't think anyone else can. Mm. You know, if something has seemed impossible for them, they just don't think that anyone else is able to do it. Mm. So, yeah. So if that was absolutely terrible oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> and and i'm just thinking about it now i'm just like how do you say that to someone yeah. like you you have it there or oh, you need to yeah yeah <laughs> and who have been some of the the big influences in your life 
in my life, definitely my great grandmother, mm-hmm. um, who passed away two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely, I viewed her like a mother and, um, her resilience, her, oh, I actually hate that we always describe black women as resilient, but, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those are the circumstances and also just her, her passion, her passion for people, her passion for life and for excellence. Like she was great. So she's been a great influence for me. And also, um, who else has really influenced my life? I don't know. I think a ton of black women who just do what they do and just do it well, you mm. know? And I think Michelle Obama for sure. Definitely. Um, like, I just think she gives us permission to do it all. You know, she gives us permission to be wives and moms and career women. And also, like, to be able to have a legacy that's separate from your husband. Mm. No matter how great the world thinks your husband is, you're still able to go out and give your contribution and make your own legacy. So I really, really, yeah, I really, really enjoy her. Um, Yeah, I think those are the people. No, no. I guess Amelia Earhart, who was the first woman to um, fly across the Atlantic Ocean. Ah, yes. Um, Yeah, she definitely passed away in the middle of doing that. But um, (laughs) (laughs) but it's still inspiring. It still is. (laughs) That long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Um, Wow, okay. So um, it is that time in in the interview where I ask my favorite question, um, which is, which comes from my favorite quote, which is uh-huh. be who you needed when you were younger. So oh gosh, I didn't prepare for this. Oh, this See is then? so sweet. I've listened to all your other podcasts. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because of, yeah, like when you're younger, when, when you're going through something when you're younger, whether you were a small child or just, um, younger you two years ago you, you often need to hear a voice or you need someone even though you don't you might not necessarily know that you need it um, so I definitely mm. feel like if we needed someone then then there's someone out there today who would need to hear that same message mm. now so if you could go back and talk to younger CV mm-hmm. what would you say to her I think the first thing I'd say to her is that grown-ups aren't always right. (laughs) (laughs) Grown-ups aren't always right. And just believe the promises that God has placed in your heart are there for a reason. And they're real. They're real. Everything that you're imagining is real and it can happen. So don't let what other people say keep you from living out the promises that are in your heart Mm. yeah i think that's definitely it yeah don't don't let other people's experiences deter you from from walking your own journey Mm. yeah Mm. yeah And and the things people say about you really don't matter as much as you think they do they they don't contribute much to who you become yep yeah yeah. Before yeah. before I wrap up, I need to ask you, right? So, I mean, I can only imagine um, what an unnerving time this must be for you 
Um, oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. So I just wanted to ask you, like, how are you like navigating what I'm, oh, I, what I'm referring to is because of COVID guys, for people yes. that are listening. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so like, um, like how are you navigating this time with if that's happening within the, um, what is it? Aviation industry. I almost said air industry. It <laughs> <laughs> yeah. also works. Um, um, I went through two weeks of just completely being sad mm. and anxious and hopeless. Um, listening to the news, reading mm. a ton of articles, um, speaking to people. Um, I went through a solid two weeks of just really sitting and actually thinking oh my gosh so now what must you go study something else like mm. what are you gonna do like what are you actually gonna do um the fact that right now the industry is completely at a halt is one thing but also the looming reality of when everything is quote back to normal things aren't going to be the same. There's a lot yeah. of money that's lost at this time. There's going to be a lot of cutting that needs to be done, which may actually happen before things, um, before um, airplanes are flying again. Mm. But th- there's so much anxiety. There's so much uncertainty. Um, and to be quite frank and completely honest, I have been sad and I have been hopeless. Mm-hmm. Um, also because I'm so young in the industry, you know, and if I feel, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel like if there was any cutting to be done, it would be the less experienced bunch, mm-hmm. you know, which would, which I'd fall into, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's been tough. This time has been tough. I genuinely have been praying like crazy and I can't wait to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, I there, there's nothing more I can say. I don't know what the yeah. other side looks like, but one thing it's also taught me is that I'm I'm not my career. I'm I'm not just a pilot. You know, mm. I need to spend more time, which is actually something you only realize after you've qualified, or even in a pandemic like this, that you've put in so much time and so much energy to make sure that this one thing works out. And when that one thing is now falling apart, you're just like, oh my gosh. And then what's, what's to be of me, you know? Mm. So it's, it's really put me in a place where I need to sit with myself and really think what are the things that make up who I am and how, how can my life go on if this, if, if flying was never to be a thing again, you know, Mm. I need, I need, there's got to be more to me. There's got to be more, um, that I can offer, yeah, you know, yeah. and I think I've attached so much of my purpose to my career that, you know, it's really been a time of sitting and thinking and just speaking to God and, and, and trying to really see myself as who I am in my core and what I really am here to do. Mm. If my career was stripped away, would I, what can I contribute still? So yeah, that's been that's been COVID. I mean, yeah, I I honestly can't imagine going through what you're going through right now. And uh, I wish you all the best. 
thank you so much like all the best uh i'm i'm, I'm sure I don't know what it will look like, like you're saying as well, but I'm sure you, like, you'll get through this. I don't know what mm. getting through it actually means in this context, because, you know, sometimes you think getting through it means that we'll come out smiling in the end, but that mm. might not necessarily be it. Whatever it is, um, I really do wish you all the best. Um, you're such an inspiration. I feel oh, like, I feel like, um, like, I don't know what your purpose is, but listen, you are honestly doing a lot for young black girls out there already if you don't i really hope yes. so that is Definitely. like my primary thing like you fly planes yeah. in the air <laughs> <laughs> yeah take them off the ground put them in the air and then put them back down <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's that's a lot <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Siva, thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, darling. I've enjoyed this so much. So how can our, our listeners get in touch with you and just keep up with you and your work? Okay, awesome. So I'm on Instagram at Pilot Sive. Um, I am on Facebook. My name is Siva Mpenyana. I'm not very active there, but feel free. And then you can also email me at um, pilotcive at gmail.com. If there are any questions you want to ask about anything, really, about, fly- well, not my personal life, but <laughs> yeah. about flying, um, career advice, I'm really, really down for that. Um, if you need any motivation, if you're feeling down, um, yeah, pilotcive at gmail.com or DM me on my Instagram at pilotcive. Mm, thank you so so much Sive. thank you so so much thank you i enjoyed this so much thank you so much for this platform uh, it's so needed uh, <laughs> it's so encouraging like during this time in corona i've been listening to episodes and it's so nice it's so oh nice my gosh. To thank you. <laughs> you and other black women just really trying to do what the best that they can do you know honestly we're all just really trying to do the best that we can right now yeah Thank you so much. Thank you, doll. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. As always, we love to engage with all of you, so feel free to pop us an email if you have any feedback or guest recommendations on info at shebrigade.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so don't forget to tag us on your posts at shebrigade. See you next week.